Hey everyone, this is Dave Broadbeck. Um, coming to you just before the start of the winter 2017 term. Uh, the lecture you've downloaded is from, uh, or you're streaming, you could be streaming it, it could be streaming, maybe not downloading, anyway. These are technicalities and don't matter that much. It's from uh, Psychology 3256, Advanced Univariate Statistics. It's, of course, needs to be called Design and Analysis 1 that uh, we changed the name. Um, so this is the lecture. There's also uh, our YouTube video. So you want to check those out. So you just have to search on YouTube for my name, um, and you'll see a playlist of Psych 3256 for this uh, coming year. Uh, thanks a lot for downloading, and I hope you enjoy it. Uh, the chance of anybody actually enjoying a statistics le lecture I just think is pretty... So today and the next time, we're going to talk about something that I think is ignored a lot in statistics, which really bugs me because, frankly, people care so much about doing t-tests and analysis variants and all these things. These inferential procedures, they, they forget about the importance of uh, this kind of stuff, which is called exploratory data analysis. You like that transition? Pretty cool, eh? Um, so you're going to find anything about a data set. First, you have to understand the data itself. Within themselves, if you prefer to think of the word data as a plural, which it actually is. Singular is datum, but whatever. If you're writing, say, these data, just please. Because too many people say the data, and it, start, it makes me feel old that I'm going, no, it's these data. Okay, so you understand your stuff first. Basically, what we're trying to do here is to get a feel for, for our numbers. So, you're just basically looking at stuff and doing it. This is done for yourself. This would never be something, or very few of these things would ever show up in an article you're writing. would never show up in, a, in your thesis. They might. But it's, it's just ways of understanding the data before you actually manipulate them in any way. So it's going to be easier to find mistakes that you may have made. You may have made coding errors. Right? A lot of times when you're writing, when you're doing um, anything, that's, anything that's not automatic, anything that's not automatic, uh, you will have to transcribe numbers into a spreadsheet of some sort, into SPSS, which is basically the, the, the uh, interface for the spreadsheet. So you have to write stuff down. And let's say it's numbers 1 to 7 for, for you know, the old the old Likert scale. 1 to strongly agree, strongly disagree, whatever. And suddenly you see a, a 77. <laughs> well, that's probably because you get the 7 twice. So it's going to be easy to spot that because you just look at a bunch of numbers and go, whoa, that's not possible. So it's a really important thing to do because a lot of times people skip this step and that'll screw up an average pretty badly. It's an order of magnitude bigger than seven. What actually happened in the research you've done? Like, what are the effects? What's really there? It's going to be easier to figure out what actually happened if you look at the, 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 the data themselves rather than just look at averages. B.F. Skinner said, the average describes the behavior of no animal. And my PhD advisor, Sarah Shuttleworth, used to say, inferential statistics are there to prove what you already know. You should be able to look at a graph and say, I see what happened in my experiment. 
seems to me if you can't do that, you can't just look at a graph and go, I see what happened, you probably don't have anything that's that interesting. It's also easy to find odd values. Um, <clears throat> one of the assignments that I was given when I took a course like this, um, sorry, I TA'd a course like this, uh, and eventually taught a course like this, and we were given a data set of um, about 500 records, 23 variables, and the idea was, a friend of mine taught, a senior graduate student at the time, he had a little project he was doing, was trying to develop a questionnaire that was as accurate as a physiological measurement to see how many cigarettes people smoke per day. Because it's an easy thing to do physiologically. I get a saliva sample from you, and I send it off to a lab, and I, and I see how much uh, nicotine is in your saliva and how much cocaine, which is a stable metabolite of nicotine, and we know the half-life. It's easy to do, except that's, go to a doctor's office, let's say you're trying to quit smoking. You go to an MD, and he or she says, spit in this thing. That's a little intrusive. Wouldn't it be easier to say, answer these three questions, and I can see how many cigarettes you smoke today. This is what Todd was trying to develop. So what she did. But the neat thing was, he had all the data, so he would just give it to us and say, figure out what happened. And by the end of this course, you'd be able to do that, by the way. So build a model that predicts cigarette smoking per day. And then we're going through the data, and finding someone saying they smoked 400 cigarettes a day. That's really the Olympic smoke pro. That's, that's, that's professional smoking. Nobody smokes 400 cigarettes a day. That's a coding error. Or that's a guy answering with a lie because he thinks he's clever. How many? That's 25 in a pack. So you get what? That's four for a hundred. That guy's smoking. Nobody's smoking 16 cigarettes, 16 packs of cigarettes a day. It's probably really 40, isn't it? Right? We, but we don't know. We don't actually know the answer. So we probably just have to throw out his data. But it's better than keeping his data in, or her data. I think it was a handful. Right? It also had, when did you start smoking? One of the data was called uh, year start, I think it was called. And people are pretty remember pretty well when they, because when you smoke, your first one's the greatest thing you've ever done, and the, the, except for the most recent one you smoked, which was also great. Um, but you usually remember, oh, I was this age. And one person had that they were, was it? Well, it was a single digit number. It's like, it seems unlikely. It's probably not six, it's probably 16. Right? Yes, I know, we've all seen the baby from Indonesia who smokes on YouTube. It's horrible. With the chips and smoke. There was a show on years ago called Honey, We're Killing the Kids, which is a bad name for a show. And it was about people having bad nutrition for their children. It was on the Food Network. I don't know why. Food. It used to be a show that was about cooking. No, now it's just stupid stuff. Oh, look, Cupcake Wars is on. Um, but they interviewed this woman and her kid who's like 10, and he's like morbidly obese. And he smokes. He started smoking when he was four. Do you want to have to quit smoking too? The kid says. And the, the, the intervention person says, you have to quit. 
It's the strangest thing I've ever seen. You have to quit smoking too. They, they, they showed his bedroom. He's got ashtrays everywhere. His mum thought that was cool. So I'm cool. It's not a problem, really. It's a British show. <laughs> I was just doing that accent for no reason. It's weird. See, so in that case, but then you also have to think, if the guy in the survey actually started at six, or this kid started at four, fine. I mean, not fine, but weird, but okay. But are we going to actually accept that as, as something that we... I don't mean accept it societally. I don't think we should. I mean, do we think that they're even in the same population as your average smoker? So maybe we want to, even if they, it isn't a mistake, we at least want to remove their data anyway. And that, that, the only way you're going to find that stuff out is if you look at the numbers themselves instead of just crunching them into a thing and getting a mean and some standard deviations and going, there you go, graph. Even just looking at the raw data is important. Okay. So, what this is called is exploratory data analysis. There's actually a book by a guy named John Tukey who developed the Tukey test you may have heard of, which is a uh, postdoc test in Elsa Branch. Um, he wrote a book called Exploratory Data Analysis, which is a barn burner, a page turner. Movie rights have been sold. Uh, it's a big Michael Bay production now. It's going to be a. Uh, Brad Pitt vehicle, it's gonna be great. Um, he stars as standard deviation man. It's uh, I don't know. I'm gonna stop now because I'm, I'm really just entertaining myself, and obviously most of you don't know who, know who the hell I am. But still, uh, so John Tukey writes this book, exploratory data analysis, and it's about things like graphs and means and standard descriptive statistics, the stuff you know how you were told in 2126, and rightfully so. By the way, it's not a criticism of anybody because I do the same thing. I say. You know, you think there's statistics, we're going to talk about that for 20 minutes, and then the rest of the course is how to do t-tests, which is all fine. The thing is, doing this exploratory data analysis allows you to generate hypotheses. You're just going to feel for your data, too. You should know what your data look like. You really should have a feel for it. Any questions so far? Okay. So you're going to get an idea of how your experiment went, and I'm just going to say experiment. Maybe you did a survey, but whatever. I'm going to say experiment. Um, you can do survey. You can experiment with surveys. I'm saying it could be correlational, but if you do your honors thesis here, it has to be experiment. Um, you don't lose any richness in the data. It's all the numbers are still there. Yeah, but it's not just looking at numbers. It's not like the matrix. Numbers, matrix, nothing. Um, oh, I see, just not funny. Got the reference, just not funny. Um, tough group this year. Tough crowd. Note to self, tough crowd. Um, so you might not just look at a bunch of numbers, but you might look at a whole bunch of numbers from two different groups, right? So let's say it's number of words recalled, and uh, we have a retention interval. So you have the list of words to remember, say 10 words, and then you've got a five-minute retention interval for one group, and then a one-day retention interval for another group. So five minutes, and you, you see numbers like... Sure, so five people per group. And this is the one, uh, so we get 9, 8, 6, 7, 10. It doesn't matter what the numbers are. 
please don't write them down. And feel free to write. I don't care. Write down anything you want. I'm saying this is important. Um, but that's going to be our five-minute group. And then our one-day group. Uh, two, one, three, one, and four. You can tell right away just by looking at those numbers there's something going on there. And you can even tell if there were, instead of just five per group, if there were 50 per group, if they looked like that, if that pattern was consistent, you'd be able to tell something happened. Something happened. Right? You know, and I think you all know what you do here, be a two-sample t-test, blah, blah, blah. But that would just confirm what you already know. In this case, you know it just by looking at the raw numbers grouped into two groups. When I was in graduate school, I would meet with my supervisor once a week, and we would just look at graphs I generated. Or sometimes I just bring me data sheets. And we just look at numbers. Right? And with my honor students, when they start collecting data, I say, bring some numbers to me. Bring, bring it to me. Let's go look at it. And usually we can figure out if something went on. Sometimes make go a little further, make a graph, whatever. But the first step is this, if you can. If it's doable. It is always, but if it's doable. All right. Okay, these don't mean anything. I just have some numbers that I've now, I've now put into a, a, a table. Aha. So we've got the X's and we've got some frequencies. Let's say those are a statistics test and it's at a 35. Those not real. That's not an unreasonable set of numbers. How many people in the class are going to is 35, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12? It's a small class. Fair enough. So this sort of relative frequency kind of table has allowed us to look at this and say, what, what kind of conclusions would you make about this class? It's a, it's a, a stat, let's say it's a stats class, that's not a 35. Would you make any conclusions here? Just by, just by looking at these numbers. Can you? Because I think you can, but what are some interpretations you could make? This is an audience participation part. This is where you talk. You go ahead, just talk. So if we were to put it on a graph, the distribution would look relatively yeah, relatively normal. I think that's uh, symmetrical, you might say, right? You, I kind of sort of look at it sideways because I'm like that. <laughs> right in the middle there, 25. Most common answer, uh, 25, out of 30, 25 out of 35 is okay. What's that in percentage? That's uh, 5 sevenths. So that's 71.2, uh, I think. That's good. That's a good break. You got to be class all these things. That's what you expect. B mean good. Look in calendar. B good. A excellent. C satisfactory. Which I guess you guys all know by now. Remember in first year when you first time you got a C and went, what? What? And you went to the prof and said, I got a C. And yeah, I see that. <laughs> but, but, yeah, C satisfactory means it was okay. Well, I thought that was like B plus. Read calendar. My favorite one I used to give is Newfoundland a lot. This is not like this criticism of Newfoundland, but it kind of is. Um, <laughs> no, it really isn't. But it's 
because colloquially people have a Newfoundland English is different. Um, and I'd have people come to me and say, but sir, I know it's the material. And I'd say, how are you doing English? Um, it's... But yeah, for, we, you're right. This is good. You're right. It's like a graph. You can think of it that way. And the most common thing is like a, a B. What else could, what other kind of conclusions could we make? Just, there's, there's other possibilities. I got a couple I can think of. So what's 50% of 35? That's what? Uh, 17 and a half, right? That'd be a pass. Ooh. All but one person passed the test. That's the kind of thing when I see something like that, it makes me happy. Because it means I'm doing my job okay. What else, what else could you conclude? Conceivably conclude. What's possible from this set of numbers? Stop. Go ahead, anybody. Get yeah, in. Tens to outlier. Tens what? Outlier. It's an outlier. We can call it an outlier. Somebody did very poorly. <laughs> yeah, because that's way bad. Though, if, let's see, the most common thing is 25. The mean's probably close to 25. That's only 10 away. That's 15 away. Yeah, it might be an outlier. There's really no real definition for outlier. Anybody who tells you there's a definition for an outlier, say, no, it isn't. Because it's a different one. But you're right. To me, that jumps out. This one jumps out. Somebody doesn't get it. Somebody didn't come to class or download the podcast or watch the YouTube video. The things I do for you people. Um, somebody maybe... Maybe somebody should change majors. I'm not on one test. You never, ever, ever, please, ever, ever, ever make that decision based on one assignment. So the guy who once got a 60 on an essay. Well, that's it. I'm changing over to political science. <laughs> I actually seriously thought about that until a friend of mine pointed out how arithmetic worked to me. What's the student year overall average? Oh, well, that's true. Nothing. Um, <laughs> or maybe this person was in the wrong class and was too embarrassed to leave, to not leave. You ever do that? Like in first year, you wouldn't do it now. In the first year, you didn't know where anything was. Walking around, you go sit down, and someone says, Welcome to third year chemistry. Well, <laughs> that happened to me. I was in first year, and I was, um, it was my second day. And I don't see well, so I'm like, Look at room numbers like that. <laughs> like, seriously, right? And I, I, you know, so I'm walking around. And I get in this room, and it's full of students, so that's good. <laughs> Remember, there's 28,000 undergraduates at Western. I was one of them. Walking around, go sit down. And it's a fourth year chemical engineering class or something crazy <laughs> big. I have, and I was good in chemistry. Like, I was really good in chemistry in high school. I got 103 grade 13 chemistry. And all the bonus points. I can't remember any of them. <laughs> I could probably balance an equation still. So, probably all I could do. But I was really good in chemistry. But I wasn't taking chemistry in university. And I thought, what? I guess I can't leave now because it's really embarrassing. What I'll do is I'll just sit here for the first hour, and then when they have the smoke break, it's 1984, uh, I'll just leave. So I did that. I sat there, missing the class I'm supposed to be at. But... And I thought, oh, this is harder than chemistry in my soul. This is really hard chemistry. And I never But it was, I was embarrassed. So maybe this guy shows up, he's embarrassed, and he writes the test anyway. 
This is me in first year. <laughs> so we can make some conclusions. Oh, somebody did really well. Wow, somebody's perfect. That's good. That's the person when you get that, I usually write out your test, would you like to teach the rest of the course? <laughs> um, we have a few people here that are really kicking ass, though. We have four people out of 12 that are getting, those are like A-plus grades, or high A grades. That's nice. So we can make some nice decisions here. Class is going okay. So that frequency table allows you to do stuff like you can take the sum of the x's, that's the x values, the, the, the scores and the test, and multiply it times the frequency of those. <coughs> you can sum all those together, which I just did there. Oh, there should be a closed bracket. Oh, that, that zero should be a closed bracket. I didn't shift, obviously. Straight at nine. And we're dividing by 12, which gives us, well, I did, what am I doing? It doesn't matter. We can take all that, divide by 12, and we get a B. So that's pretty easy to do. We haven't lost any riches in our data, we just organized them at this point. Sorry, I went ahead and done that. But look, you can also use this to make, you were saying a graph, you're right, relative frequency histogram. Like that. How did I make that? I, I typed a bunch of things into a program and it came out. I don't know. And you can tell that I wouldn't put this in a paper. This wouldn't be something I would, not that anyone would ever publish their class grades. That would be weird. That's an easy publication. I guess I did it once, but it was because I was comparing podcasted classes to non-pod, and there's a 6% increase since I started podcasting lectures. Is that right? 6.1? I think it's something like that. It doesn't matter. I would never put this in a thing because look, look at this ridiculous scale on my x-axis, or sorry, y-axis. It's frequency, there are numbers of people, 1.25, what is that? But it, it, all this, it, I did this automatically, I used the program, because this is Mac stuff, so I didn't use Excel, I used numbers to do this, same kind of thing though. I just typed these numbers into a spreadsheet, and I looked up how do you make a, a, a histogram, and I did some clicking, and that came up. Right? This is just for me. It gives me an idea of shape. And this is where you, you're right. Outlier, you might have a point. Because that doesn't look like it. One of these things does not belong here. It's very Sesame Street. You still do that on Sesame Street? One of these things when you guys were kids? I watched Sesame Street when it started in 1969. Because I'm old. I remember Mr. Rogers. That's how old I I remember the Vietnam War being on TV. And it wasn't just a show, it was the news. Um, yeah, but that tells us something. It's, in fact, the, the nice thing about this is, in fact, we could, uh, we have, again, lost no richness in our data. We could actually reconstruct the data set from here. You could literally get a list of all those numbers. It'd be easy to do. So that's useful. This isn't going to be that useful in any sort of presentation in a paper or anything like that. But you've, at least this has allowed you to do. Um, Questions so far? Everybody bored? Good. Um, it's all stuff you know. So we can reconstruct that. So it'll be trivially easy to do. And it allows you to spot something odd. And I get outlier is a possible word here we could use. 
something weird is going on here. Somebody's really in trouble in the course. See, if I saw this whole thing shifted over, and the most common score was 17, which is, remember, 17 and a half to pass, I would, I would say to myself, that test was too hard, but the distribution looks okay. And this, in fact, this was, wouldn't be a class like this. This class tends to have a uh, negatively skewed distribution. People do it bunched up the, like, to the right. Because this is what a 2126 class looks like at the beginning, normal-ish. And these people all drop the course. No, oh, seriously. A lot of them do. But eventually, people all move over and all bunches up at the other end. That's just how stats marks look. I expect them to look that way. But if it was all, say, shifted over, I might say the test is too hard, but the distribution looks okay. So I might, and I hardly have ever done this in my career, I'm like, oh, let's do something about that. I might do something about that. And that something is never make the next test really easy. The something would be to adjust those scores. I hate that when the test is too... You ever had that when the test is too easy the first time? So then the prof decides they're just going to screw you on the next test? Yeah, I hate that. I got a lot of hate, though. I mean, the list of things I hate, it's, it's a long <laughs> list, man. Questions? You good? <clears throat> now, you might have categorical about it. Um, you look at a histogram, you get a bar graph. Good name, bar graph. Um, you know, pie chart, I, I, I don't know why people do pie charts. I, I hate them. I think they're big business. I'm just guessing. I don't know about business. I'm just guessing. I'm in accounting. Yeah, boy, you found the stats too exciting. Um, yeah, pie charts are fine, I guess. Remember when we used to, remember when info, they would call them infographics. I like calling them charts and graphs. I don't have to invent a new multisyllabic word so I can put a meme across it. Shut up. God, I hate people. Um, I'm really not this negative. I'm just kind of playing a character. Actually, I'm that negative. Um, so it's pretty much the same thing. You, your x-axis doesn't really have a scale. They're just categories. Right? So let's you know, pretend it's a stack 21-26 class. Let's just pretend. And we got 38 psych majors, 15 sociology majors, because maybe they want to take it. I don't know. Uh, 18 CESD majors and 5 biology majors. In fact, this is the actual demographics from a stats 21-26 class I had. Jeez. Uh, 2007? It's pretty old. Those are real data. It's back when sociology students took our stats. And they had their own. See what the odd sociology student in that class? Get the odd CSD students, and always the biology students. Now it's almost just psych and biology. But that would be a boring uh, graph. I don't know what, why I put these in this order. I think it was the order I put them in in the spreadsheet. But it does, there is no order to this anyway, is there? There really isn't any, so there's no reason to do anything with it. It's more for me to just get a feeling like, oh, plurality of students are psychiatrists. 
that as much as we may all think that psychology is better than everything else because it is, demonstrably so, we can't put it, is psychology, let's say we put psychology first here because the more it's like golf, the more close you are to zero, the better it is. And we have to put these two over here and bring biology over here, I think. Is psychology one better than biology? But two better than sociology? What the hell does that even mean? So you can't do that. And you like if you had, it's like TV channels, right? You know the channels have numbers, right? And I think on Shaw Cable, I think channel two is the, is the weather channel. Because I know when, I, when, when my cable box reboots, it goes back to channel two. But the channel I watch, uh, let's see, so like 225, let's make the math a little easier. 222, I don't think it is, but I'm going to make math easier, uh, is, is uh, Sportsnet Ontario. And I want to watch a hockey game. Is Sportsnet Ontario 220, or no, 111 times the channel? The weather channel, not really. Maybe. <laughs> so sometimes things even have numbers doesn't make a difference, right? But that's, that's what we're talking about here. It's, this is, again, just to make, give yourself a feel for stuff. There's a pie chart. I don't, it doesn't help me any more than this. Who likes pie charts? I don't care if you like them. I'm just curious. Does anybody like them? Does it help you any more than this? I mean, it's fine if it does. I'm not going to get mad at you. I want to know why people like them. Does anybody like pie charts? You do. You like pie charts. You're pro pie chart. Oh, yeah. What do you like about them? Because I don't know. I don't get it. Because I can see the whole. Okay. You can see it all, okay? They're all easy to compare to each other. I like that, because maybe, maybe I'll rethink my view on pie charts. They just don't show up in science things, so I just don't see them that often. I guess that's probably all it is. I'm not used to them. That's a good point. You may, sir, you may have something. I will moderate my views. What's the chance of that happening? <laughs> Virtually nil. Um, okay. Those are qualitative variables. We don't deal with those a lot. We deal with them some. And there's nothing wrong with qualitative variables. Hair color is a qualitative variable. The sex, male or female, is a qualitative variable. Right? And I mean, you know, biological sex, okay? I mean, like, X, I mean, like, having a Y chromosome. Okay? So you're not all getting mad at me? I mean, like, having a Y chromosome or not. Another one, gender, I'm talking about, okay? So don't have a committee that's going to investigate me. Um, I'm always afraid of committees. In it's never happened to me in my life, but it could start. I'm just saying. Or species. You know, I do my... I compare stuff. Compare species. Those are... Those are is it a chicken or a junko? Those are qualitative things. Right? And they're perfectly sensible things to study. But a lot of times you have quantitative, or group one, group two, though it's five minutes, one day, it's getting pretty quantitative. So quantitative stuff, um, of course with these, as I said, we can use a histogram. I looked at that and I almost read Instagram, and that's sad. <laughs> that's really weird. We can see central tendency, which is, you know, you know what that is, like average, right? We can see the spread of something. Right? And the shape. 
So the central tendency, you know, that's uh, average mean, median, mode, those things. We can see the spread, just how, how spread out something is. And we can see the shape of something. Of a distribution, of a, of a bunch of scores, of a batch of numbers. So, skewness. Positive skew, this always really pisses me off. Because I think it's said backwards, even though it's not. I would think that would be positive skew on the left here. And that would be negative skew on the right. But I would be wrong. Do you know how you can remember this? The tail tells the tale. That's not my... I, Cheryl Reed Elder taught me that. One thing she's talking. Just messing around. I'm messing around. We've been friends for 21 years. 20 years. But I remember saying to her, I get it wrong all the time. And she said, David. That's what she called me. Everybody else calls me David. David. The tale tells the tale. Oh, that's cool. So I give her credit and make it a little fun of her. That's good. It's really that I now I never forget it now. I never forget it. So like I said, you have a negative skew in a stats class in grades. There's a couple reasons uh, in this class. A couple reasons um, because you've all got 341.26, the intro stats, and because you're taking this because you have to. It's a required course, so you tend to pay attention. And people that want to do the honors degree, they know they have to get 70 in this course so they pay attention. They try. People are engaged, right? Good enough. So positive skew, would a class like that be... That's often the very beginning of statistics. Um, that's usually more normal, actually. I'm to think of something that is a positive skew that, like in grades of a class, I, I can't... Intro psych looks a lot like that. Intro psych looks a lot like that. It's, assuming this right around here is about 50. People are bunched up, but there are a few people who have just found it really easy. Right? A few people find the course really easy. Most people get B's and C's in that class. And then there are people who literally just abysmally fail. But that's because it's a first-year course, and a lot of people in first year shouldn't be here, right? You know that. You know, you've met many of these people. You went to school with them two years ago. Right? Because they'd say, I don't know how you keep up with the reading. And you're like, you read the book. It's not that bad. You don't even really have to. Read the important bits. I'm not suggesting don't read books. I'm <laughs> suggesting there are strategies to how to study, right? Or the people that just showed up because they, they could get away from their mom and dad and they could smoke weed every day. Smoke weed every day. So it's people like that. <laughs> right? And they're here because they want to go to school. They're just going to be away from mom and dad. Most of those people are gone. Most of them. That's why I'm here. <laughs> um, I'm so high right now. But I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm tripping on acid. But it's, it's going to be fun in a couple of years. This year, it's going to be legal. And then I can say that. I can all go, yeah, we're, we're all high, too. Um, it's, it's going to be school really hard. It's going to come in and go, okay, guys. Um. <laughs> um, so, I have never smoked marijuana 
this week. Now, not this week. So, I don't know. Yeah, but I think it's a good example. First year, a lot of first year courses look like that, that distribution. Some people are really get it. Most people are doing okay, and some people just, and there's a chunk of people, it's a good chunk of people, don't get past first year. We know that. Right? And it's sad because they're your friends, and they're usually the guys that have all the weed. Um, things can also be kurtik, and I don't even know what these things mean. Don't worry about it. It's a way to describe things. Kurtosis is a way to describe how pointy a distribution is. How pointy a distribution is. So leptokurtic means peaked. That's this one. And platocurtic, the more pulled out it is, the more shaped like Paul Dupuis it is. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I'll be here all week. Uh, <laughs> it's great because he's, he, he can't defend himself because he's at home on sabbatical. <laughs> I know he made fun of me all last year when I was in sabbatical. Because he's a bad person. And he's not even a scientist. <laughs> I'm kidding. I love saying things like that because he's a sociologist. But <laughs> no, he's not. I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. I'm totally kidding. I'm totally kidding. Also, really good scientist. He actually is. It's recorded now. I can't edit it out. Don't, don't let him know I said that because I have really no respect for him. Um, he's like my best friend. Okay. Well, not really best. He's a good friend. We're acquaintances. But I don't know what this means. Like, I, okay, I know what they mean. But I would never ask you on a quiz what leptokurtic means because I don't know which one it is. No, I really don't. I know sometimes you get measures of kurtosis, so, um, which you'll see sometimes in exploratory data analysis, high outputs. You get things uh, in SPSS, you can get uh, things about distributions, and they'll give you measures of kurtosis, which I don't understand what they, well, I can look them up. Okay. Skewness, sure. I think I could conceivably ask you something about it. I'm not going to ask you this. Because I just don't know. It's, some, it's just another way to describe distribution, though. It's shape. So I thought I'd mention it. Distributions, of course, can be symmetrical or asymmetrical, so skewed distributions are not symmetrical. Right? It could be unimodal or bimodal. A lot of times the stats distribution in, in 21-26 is bimodal. Once, once you've got past that sort of skew thing, you get something that looks like this. Nah, it's not that high. Very few people are doing poorly. Most people are getting B's and C's. And then there's a bunch of people going, this is like grade four math. Right? Remember that day in 2126 when it suddenly occurred to you how easy the, the arithmetic was? And you went, how did I ever make a mistake in this course? This happened to me. I was taking stats. I was in, in, in second year at Western. It was like one day I went, oh, I see. <laughs> how did I ever, and I look back at old quizzes going, God, you're a moron. How did you get that wrong? Right? It was about a third of the way through the course. I just went, oh, I see. And that happens to most people. Some people it happens after they finish the course. But it does happen to most people, right? So yeah, unimodal, bimodal, the mode is just a number, right? Like uh, the number, the most common number. It could be uniform. That's not pretty common in grades. You don't get as many Ds as you get, A pluses, that doesn't happen. What's a uniform? What's something that's distributed uniformly? You think some? 
So every part, every frequency is the same. You're as likely to get a one as a two as a three as a four as a five as a six or a nine. It's uniform. Here's a better example because it's about hockey. And you're going to say, I don't know about hockey. I don't care. They're just numbers. They don't know where they come from. These really are numbers of numbers of goals he scored uh, in his career, but they, you don't have to know about hockey to understand these numbers. So there's Mario in the 2002 Olympics carrying our flag, and we finally won an Olympic gold medal in hockey for the first time since 1956. When was the last time we won a gold medal in hockey? Pretty great. So there's um, his years. For those who don't know much about hockey, scoring 50 goals is a benchmark. It's, that's something people don't tend to do. Um, the most goals ever scored in a season is 93 by Wayne Gretzky. The fewest goals scored in a season is zero. That's by me. <laughs> um, I, never, I, I never played the NHL or really anything past PVB in Sudbury. But... Uh, Okay, so 43, 40, 48, 54, 70. This is funny. This year, they asked Mario, they, again, we can do this just by looking at these numbers, but that's a big jump. And also, scoring 70 goals is a lot of goals. And you're like, what happened? And what you think? He played in the Canada Cup, maybe the World Cup we just had. He used to, he used to call it the Canada Cup. Played in the line with Wayne Gretzky. So he uh, it showed him some things about playing, but also he quit smoking that year. Before that, he was smoking because it was the 80s and people, high-performance athletes sometimes smoked. 85, 45, what happened here? Um, well, that's, he, he, he had back problems a lot, Maria. Um, 44, that seems kind of low again. Oh yeah, that's the year he was off for, for eight weeks with cancer. Oh, yeah, I got non-conscious lymphoma. I, I can't play. Oh, I'm back. I'm a superhuman athlete. If you didn't have all these problems, you would probably have break, broken many of Gretzky's records, actually. 69 is pretty bad. He gets hurt again. He's back. 69, that's a lot. 50, still pretty good. It's six. And then he retires. Retires for three years. Buys the team. The team owes him so much money that he actually is given the team as because they couldn't afford to pay. So Mario Dominguez now owns the Pittsburgh Penguins. His number's been retired, he's in the Hall of Fame, and he decides he wants to come back and play again. He owns the team. So he comes back, scores 28 goals, plus half a season scores 28 goals. <laughs> it's insane. I used to get a real kick out of it whenever you turn around and say something to the coach, because he can be like, put me on or you're fired. I mean, like, what's he gonna do? And you know, captain, the C on your on your sweater, and the A for assistant captain. I was wanting to have all owner. This is my team. Uh, and then he played on our Olympic team. Uh, that's 2002. And then he played. He skipped the whole year because he was hurt again with his back. The final year he played was part of 2005, 2000, sorry, 2006, 2007. No, five, six, and he played with with Sidney Crosby when Crosby was 18. And it was like watching two magicians working together. It's an incredible thing to see. But he only didn't play very much. 
Anyway, I'm a really big Mario Lemieux fan. And also, it's a nice set of numbers because it's got a lot of blues around below. Always get some hockey content in. That's the law. A histogram, I think, is a good start. But we're going to have to group these values somehow. We're going to have to group them somehow. So, what I did here, and again, I just did, I had the, the computers did this. I didn't do it. I put the numbers in, the computer stat this out. You certainly can't, and I'm just doing this for myself again. Remember, I'm doing to understand the data. I'm not doing this to present to anybody. And you might say, what the hell's with that 90? What's that doing there? Well, that's because these are grouped, that's the midpoint of 80, 5.5 to 95.5. The computer just did that. So those are the limits. The real limits are actually 85.5 to 95.5. Because those limits, these little dashes here, they have to be on half goals because you can't have half a goal and you don't want to have something in both things. This, can, this tells you something really right away. Mario had a lot of years under 10 goals. And that's, or sorry, between 5 and or five and a half and 10 and a half, 15 and a half goals. And that's because he got hurt a lot. And he had health problems throughout his career. I'm convinced he literally could still play probably if he was not if he wasn't hurt. Like, he's, he's the same age as me. Uh, I think he's like a couple months younger than I am. And if he didn't have those health problems, he probably could still play. I remember when they asked Yarmo Jagger, who's still playing too, he's, he's like 46 now, um, who's the best player in the NHL right now, and he was leading the league in scoring, and he was about 35 years old, and he's, or 30 years old, and he said, oh, in the NHL? No, it's hard to say. The best player in the world isn't playing right now. He's hurt. He owns our team. I'm sure he can still play. And he had some crazy years. Like these are those are ridiculous numbers. So the real limits, as I said, 85.5, That tells us something. It tells us he had a lot of years. 50 is the benchmark, as I said. If you don't know much about hockey, 50 goals is the big thing. A lot of seasons like that. But what we we have to be careful about this, because you've got to make sure that scale made some sense. Now in our case, the computer just spat it out and it's fine. But sometimes your y-axis makes no sense. And usually people are doing that on purpose to obfuscate things, to confuse you. So the y-axis especially. Um, I'll give you an example in a sec. So say one of the problems with the histogram is grouped data like this, is you lose some of the riches in the data because we've grouped them. We don't know the individual numbers anymore. For a big data set, that's okay. This isn't that big a data set, but it's big enough. When I was living in, in, in Newfoundland and Labrador and Portobello, the most common way for people to keep their homes was oil. So heat oil. Okay? Um, and the next most common way was people would have big propane cylinders beside their houses. It's funny, you have natural gas in Newfoundland. That's where a lot of natural gas comes from for the country, yet there's no natural, natural gas infrastructure in Newfoundland. So you could have propane. Uh, people have wood, uh, people have wood-burning stoves, um, and furnaces. But the most common thing is oil. 
And the, elect the electrical company, of course, wanted to convert people to electricity. We all know how cheap electric heat is. It's like burning a pile of 20s in your house. So we've got electric heat. The electric company sent out this um, mailer trying to get people to switch over to electric from oil. And OK, fine. And they would give little incentives. They'd pay for a little bit of it to maybe switch. Was, you know, OK. And they say, it's not that much, uh, sorry, that oil, at the time, oil was more expensive than electricity. Yeah, that's true. So they, the graph looked like this. So that was oil, and that was, see, it's a lightning bolt, electricity. The Newfoundland lightning power logo was something like that. And you look at that, wow, it's twice as much for oil. So you look at the scale, and this was $100 a month, and this was 90 <laughs> and then, you know, oh yeah, zero. <laughs> That's misleading as hell, right? So the scale, they think they're obviously going to purpose. They obviously going to purpose. I almost called them on the phone, but I figured, what, what use is that going to have? They're not going to listen to me. No one listens to me. Sad, really. <laughs> um, You'll see this, oh boy, it's great during election season. You see crap like this constantly. And this is what gives statistics a bad thing. There's lies, damn lies, and statistics. No, there's idiots, morons, than you. But the problem is that people that are running for office will, will use these experiments. They'll say things like, what is the unemployment rate? About 7% nationally? Maybe 8%? Yeah, about 7 Let's say it's 7%. It's 5%. 7% employment. That's 7% too many, but whatever. So somebody will say it's 7%. That's pretty good. The economy's getting better. And someone else will say, do you know how many people are unemployed? And they're both saying the same thing. They're both saying the same thing. Yet, they're putting their own spin on it using numbers. And that's what they're doing here with the axis. And it's really annoying when that kind of stuff shits up. That was the most blatant thing I'd ever seen. It was, it was striking how annoying it was to me. And as you can probably guess, those of you who don't know me, I annoy really easily. It's a tough group. Go away for one year, you have one sabbatical. Which I did so I wouldn't go insane. And now I don't know anybody. Well, I know like a couple of you. The rest of you still don't want to make of me, and you're frightened of me or be used. Oh, I don't care. Um, <laughs> I'm losing the will to live. Uh, so you can do you can do a stem and leaf plot. Hey, look, stem and leaf plot. I think those numbers are right. I hope I copied them down right. If they aren't, I made a mistake. That's not. The point is, in fact, if you look at it sideways, it looks the same as that graph looked before. This is zero, one, two, so 17, 19, 28, 35, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, this is stuff they now teach in elementary school, by the way. Did you know that? They teach stem and leaf plots in elementary school. Because a couple of years ago, uh, well, a couple, but four years ago, my son, when he was in grade seven, 
was collecting data on what kind of chips people, I don't know what the hell it was, so they could make graphs and stuff. Um, and it was other stuff, too, to do was numeric, and he made a stem and leaf plot. He said, what are you doing? He said, I'm making a stem and leaf plot. Okay, carry on. <laughs> and my son has autism, so sometimes things come out very, you know, I am making a stem and leaf plot, Dad. That's what I'm doing. Well, that was weird. Those things that come out of John's mouth are a little bit off. It's not unlike his father. So you get a really nice feel for the numbers here. Um, this is an ordered stem and leaf plot. I don't know, there is an unordered one. I don't know why you do it. But you could put a six here, the one here, and the seven here. It doesn't matter. I don't know why anybody do that. I think it's because maybe it's easier if you're doing it by hand and you're just you know, ordering it. You can interpret this like a histogram. As I said, you go sideways. You really pretty much have a histogram. It's easy to spot outliers to spot outliers. There's really, I don't think there really are any outliers here. Because Mario Lemieux's career was a weird career. He had, there were two Marios. There was Sick Mario and Well Mario. And Sick Mario's over here, where he looks like any other hockey player. And then he becomes a superhuman over here. Oh, I don't know what that what did. That <laughs> and should, should, should spell check out have caught that? Like, ought is a word. I can see it, SP for spelling mistake. That's still a spelling. SP's not a word. I don't know. Preserves the data. Hey, we got the old data set here again. It's assuming I copied it correctly. It's easy to get the middle or the 50th percentile. Aha. Which I've bolded so you can see that must be important. Also known as the mean, a median, rather, sorry, um, which is 44. How do I know that? How many numbers are there? 3, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 17. I want 8 on either side and 1 in the middle. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. Oh, look, it's 44. That was easy. It's very easy to. Notice we don't count 0 as one of the numbers, even though. It's a, uh, it's, it's numeric, it's, it's qualitative. Unless he had a year where he had zero goals. I think the year where he got six, he saved himself for the Olympics. It's incredible. Yep. Yeah, what we do with 16? Yeah. So let's say we didn't have the year where we got 85. So we've got 8 and 8. So we go 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. What's halfway between 43 and 44? 43 and a half. That's what you did. You just go, you just split the difference. Yep. Good question. Now, you know, how often do you have to calculate this yourself? Never. There are literally online, can you do it with the descriptives command in, in SPSS? Sure. You can also just online type in online box and with, or, or, or online stem and leaf plot. And it just says paste in your data here. Really, it's just, for most of these things, there's very quick things that work. Now, let's be careful about to make, make sure that they're the right thing, that they're not. Um, just somebody screwing with you? <laughs> Doesn't happen that much. 
whoops, this one must be outside the thing here. Yes, I am. There we go. Okay, now you're not going ahead. Now I'm mad at you. Oh, and batteries just have died in my thing. There we go. One more time. There we go, yep. Now, there's other stuff you can get. You can get the, what we call, get the five number summary. You get the median, which we have. The first quartile, that's the 25th percentage point. 25th percentile. It's the median of the first half. And this is, again, this now speaks to what you were saying. Remember, we had eight in either, each one of those. So it's the middle of that first eight and the middle of the second eight. And that's why, in this case, we've got a, a 61.5. Is that that says? Yeah, 61.5. So quartiles are the 25th and 75th percentile. In other words, halfway between the minimum and the median, and halfway between the median and the maximum. Sorry, I just edit things out sometimes for myself, and I was going to do something and I decided not to. I'm just going to go and do a whole thing about there are five numbers, there are four numbers. Captain Picard is getting tortured by the Cardassians. You know, we have one person who got the joke, so we'll just, it's a good idea I didn't do it. Um, so, oh, it all came up once. Oh. So, the minimum one, maximum 85, that gives you the range. Ooh, the range. That's a useful quantity. Here's the range. You take those five numbers, you get what's called a box and whisker plot, or a box plot. And John also made a box and whisker plot in my grade seven. I'm glad they're doing that now. So it's going to be great. In about eight years, I'm going to be teaching people how to do some of this stuff already. You take those five numbers, make that box and whisker plot, I'll show you in a sec, and it gives you an idea of the shape of the data. How did I do this one? Through painstaking, and I'm not kidding, painstaking work using Excel. It was a nightmarish hell. Now, I found out yesterday, because I decided that there are more online tools now, I typed in online box plot, and I find a thing that you just paste your numbers in, and it doesn't. It's pretty. That's not pretty. There's your median. There's your 75th percentile. There's your 25th percentile. Minimum maximum. shape, doesn't it? Because it, there's just as much data in here as there is in here. Right? There are just as many numbers in here as in here. Okay. Oh, by the way, how did I get the um, how did they get the lengths of those what are called the whiskers? Okay, those are those things at the ends. So the way that's done, so in the box, sometimes you can see them sideways too. There's a couple of ways you can do. Them. You can do it so it includes all the numbers, and that's what that one just did. But I think it did that. The other way you can do it 
is between Q1, the first quartile, and Q3, the third quartile, we have what's called the interquartile distance, or IQD. Okay? So you take, you go from the end of the box, and you go one and a half interquartile distances. And you go one and a half interquartile distances that way. That's another way to do it. The interquartile distance is just a measure of spread, spread evidence. Okay. okay. Questions about that? You okay? Yeah, please. So you just multiply the Q1 by 1.5? No, it's, the, it's Q3 minus Q1, that distance, that actual number times 1.5. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for putting it up. So let's talk about central tendency. Um, one of the three properties necessary to describe a distribution, and we can talk about shape, you know, kurtosis and whatever. Kurtosis sounds like something you can treat in an outpatient clinic, doesn't it? It sounds like I got a little piece of kurtosis, I got some uh, moxicillin, fine. Consider this batch of numbers, 1, 5, 9, 20, 30, and this batch of numbers, 12, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. They both have the same mean, 13. 1 to 5 is 6, and 9 is 15, 35, 65. Yeah, it's 13. Wow, that's cool. 65 divided by 5 is 13. 23, 36, 40, 50, 65. Hey, divided by 5. They get the same mean. They sum to 65. They sum to 65. You divide by 5, you get 13. Okay, that's awesome. But those are different batches of numbers. We would not say that they're the same, that they, they, they share a similar characteristic in that they have a mean of 13, but they're very different batches of numbers, aren't they? They're both symmetrical, basically, right? There's as much on one side as there is on the other. Um, they have the same mean, but they're different in the way and how much they're spread out. With, with our, first our first batch of numbers being much more spread out than our second batch. Right. So the one on the top is way more spread out. Well, how are we going to measure spread out of this? Well, the range is a start. It's a possibility. We can certainly do that. It doesn't tell us a lot, though. So it's 1 to 30 versus 11 to 15. You, know, you can also sometimes say 29 and 4. Sometimes people will not express it as two numbers this to this, but they'll express it just as a, as a single number. And that's fine, too. 
this tells us a little bit more about the members themselves. But it doesn't tell us a lot. It's pretty crude. It's something. It's a start. We could look, as I said, at the interquartile distances, which I mentioned up here. That's not going to tell us much either. It gives us an idea. We're still going to get a bigger one for the first batch than for the second batch. Hmm. We need something better. Kind of like something like a mean. We want the average amount that the data are spread out. Something numerical, right? Well, let's do that. How hard can that be? We'll take the sum of each number minus the mean, and we'll divide by the number of numbers. Hey, look, I did that there. So you got what? 12, negative 12 plus negative 8 plus negative 4 plus 7 plus 17 over 5. This is great. It's zero. Star Trek there. The Wrath of Khan. I don't think he had anything to do with this, but I would be frustrated that if I was doing this all in first principles, and I, that makes complete sense to do that. And then you go, oh, but that didn't work. How did I get zero? Actually, unless you did this wrong, it, it has the sum to zero. When you think about what the mean is, it's like a balancing point. There has to be as much on one side as there is on another. So it doesn't sum up to zero. You actually made a mistake. You did it wrong. Why you would do this, I don't know. It's intuitively exceedingly pleasing, though, isn't it? Right? It just doesn't work. This thing has a name. It's called nothing. It's zero. It's, this, it's, this is nothing. What could we do with this? It has to sum to zero. That's not going to help us. Right? Like I said, it makes sense when you think about it because the mean is the balancing point. Hmm. He said to himself knowingly, <laughs> you ever seen the YouTube videos of that guy that goes around narrating people's lives out loud in front of them? Isn't it the greatest thing you've ever seen? It's pretty great. She then typed into her computer. It's, 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 it's like that. But he does it. He goes up to people he doesn't know, but holding his phone, doing this in, in his store. You know, so like he'll see a mother and a daughter looking at toys. And like he'll just walk up and go, I'm not sure I could afford this, this, she thought to herself, but I couldn't not upset my daughter. And then he walks away. I do that myself, like I think these things to me. I don't say them aloud to people. It's funny, you should do that. Narrate your life sometime. But do it in your head and pretend Morgan Freeman's narrating your life, because that's the greatest thing ever. Or Samuel Jackson. Yeah, or Samuel Jackson would be another one. Sure. Or Kenneth Branagh. Just somebody who can really. You know, so how do we get rid of negatives? You thought when you were taught absolute value in grade nine that you would, you would never come up again. Ha! You're wrong. So I came up. Absolute value is just the amount of a number, right? You just take away the sign. Let's do that. 12 plus 8 plus 4 plus... Just took away the, the negative. So we did. 9 plus... Ooh, it's a number. It's a non-zero number. Whereas they say in math, it's a non-trivial number. Oh. 
I feel very bright and smart and good about myself now. I really don't, but I, you know, feel but I don't have very high opinion of myself at all. I have kinds of personal problems. I shouldn't be sharing that with you. Um, <laughs> but this actually looks very useful, doesn't it? That looks exceedingly useful. I wouldn't worry about calculating this. This is a dead end. But it actually makes a lot of intuitive sense. And it's a shame that it isn't really very useful. So some things, like I said, it seems cool at the time, but then it isn't cool. So <laughs> the mean absolute deviation is intuitively pleasing, unlike models, which were never intuitively pleasing. <laughs> I mentioned this the other day in memory class. If you want to see mullets, though, station mall. <laughs> My daughter and I have been collecting mullets for years. We take, surreptitiously take pictures of people with mullets and then send them to each other. It's fine. Use your phone. Like, you don't pull out a camera. <laughs> your digital SLR. I was in the mall. i got to tell you. So I was in the mall once, um, and this was about maybe six, seven years ago. And there's a young guy, he's probably early 20s, and he's very stylishly dressed. He looked like he just had stepped out of an ad from Le Chateau. You know, he even smelled nice, and I'm exceedingly heterosexual, but he smelled really nice. <laughs> um, so he walks by me, he's very, he's in really nice shape, he's in good shape, he's, he's got really nice clothes on, and he's got that, he just looks good. He's walking along, and there's these two guys who peaked at 17, but they're like 38, still wearing high school football jackets. I don't know what school it was. It was a local school, so I can remember. And it's a city champion. So these guys obviously peaked young. <laughs> right? That's okay. That's okay. But they're sitting there, and they both have horrible moments. But with, 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 they were bad. And the one guy looks at the other guy and says, can you believe people go out of their house looking like that? And they both were in sweatpants. It was the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. It was like bad people. It was just the irony was so... It was like someone wrote it, and it was in a movie. You ever have those moments? Like sometimes there's a thing in your life that no one's ever going to believe this happened, but it did, and it was one of those. Anyway, so this isn't that useful. It's actually, sadly, a statistical dead end. It, it has its use in what are called non-parametric statistics, so it will show up, and it does show up in some things. But as a rule, we can't use it. It's too bad. Because we're going to mostly, we're going to completely deal with what are called uh, parametric statistics. It's a real shame because it's actually really intuitively appealing. It's too bad, but that's life. It doesn't work. Mm. Any questions about anything? Yeah, please. So, what would the actual formula be to calculate? To calculate mean average, a mean absolute deviation? Oh, I just showed you. How do you mean? Like the actual Yeah, that's what that was. Because I did the, did the absolute value of those numbers of the other ones. So if your number was like negative seven, it was just seven. Negative twelve, it was just turned into twelve. All you do is you take those deviations from the mean and you take the absolute value of those. Yeah. So if you had if your numbers, will you make it even easier? If we had Let's say we had a batch of numbers of uh, 1, 2, and 3, which has a mean of 2. 
I, don't, I shouldn't have to spell that one out to you, but one and two is three, three is six, divided by three is two, okay? Um, but now we can do this. It's the sum of x minus x bar divided by n, which is going to give us oops, one minus two plus two minus two plus three minus two all over two, or sorry, three which is going to give us 1 plus 0 plus 1 over 3, which gives us 2 thirds, or 0.667. So you're just simply taking the absolute value. That's all you're doing. And it's not something I'd ever ask you to do, because we don't use it. I mean, it, it, it's not its uses. It really does. You're often told it's a dead end for parametric statistics. It's not a dead end for non-parametrics. In fact, for non-parametrics, it's used all the time. Okay. Other questions? I'm happy to answer questions. It's what I do. They pay me and everything. You good? Okay, I think we're done for today. I'm, I'm tired. <laughs> Thanks, guys. available, of course, on iTunes or whatever podcatcher you're using. Just search for Dave, uh, Dr. Dave Broadbeck's uh, Psychology Lectures from Algoma University, which is the most ungainly title ever. Uh, these are released under a sh uh, um, Creative Commons copyright share like 3.0 Canada. Uh, you can't use these for commercial purposes. Um, you feel free to share them uh, and feel free to mash them up any way you want. But if you do that, that means I get to do the same thing with your stuff. Sort of like the GNU license. Um, I hope you learned something, but if you didn't, I 
unless you're one of my students, I really don't care. Um, the music, by the way, for each uh, song, for each uh, uh, episode, <laughs> lecture, uh, is uh, available. They're all podcast, uh, like Podsafe Music. So if you want to uh, find out about the bands, there's links on my website at people.aoc.ca slash broadback. Uh, if those links don't work, just contact me and I'll find uh, I'll find out. Um, often I put links uh, actually in the uh, if you want to call them show notes or blog posts. So uh, you know, buy these people's music. They're they're making the stuff available out there. Uh, thanks everybody. We'll see you next time.